0: Thank you. one. Welcome all to the M60 podcast. I am your host, John Waltz, recording in the dead of night here in Franklin, Tennessee, and joining me from Williams- Williamson County, Tennessee, Franklin and Thompson Station are two uh, two men that I have a lot of respect for. They've helped me grow a lot in my own life and I consider them really great friends and they are former guests on the podcast. So what we're doing here on this episode, we're doing something a little different. We're kind of having a panel discussion. We're going to be talking back and forth about men's issues and just some things that are facing the overall state of masculinity, kind of refocusing the podcast here a little bit. So, joining me via zoom here is episode number one's guest the very first guest on the m60 podcast my friend mr mike mcdowell he is a sales leader here in the nashville area and, and like i said he was the guest on episode one and uh, episode five way back in april when we were at the the spearhead of this uh, coronavirus pandemic we kind of uh, Mike, we, you and I talked a little bit about the question that's in every man's soul in episode number one. And then in episode five, we talked about uh, leading your household as a man and kind of what uh, what we were going to be facing here in the coming months with the, the coronavirus pandemic. So that is our background with him. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, go back and listen to those. He's got some really great stuff to contribute there as well. And my guest My other guest here from episode number nine, Mr. Scott Hassey, the director of player development at Franklin Bridge Golf Club, and he is also one of the quote-unquote sponsors of the podcast, I guess. I do an ad spot for his book, The Champion's Playbook, every podcast, and he has his own podcast that he does here at Franklin Bridge Golf Club the champions playbook podcast so gentlemen welcome back to the show i am so thrilled to have you here and I'm, I'm really excited to to get going but uh but before we do uh stephanie malloy from episode number 12 was scheduled to join us and she had to back out kind of last minute and i just want to um obviously you guys know what's going going on but i just want to let the audience know too just to, to keep her and her family in uh in your prayers, uh, she's battling some illness. Um, hopefully it's not COVID, but, uh, um, we'll try and get her on the next panel discussion that we have here on the show. So gentlemen, are we allowed
1: to say she's a stud? Cause she's kind of a stud, but she's a female. So, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if that's,
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's, uh, she's definitely a stud. So, uh, Stephanie, we're, we're rooting for you. We'll know you, we know you'll, uh, you'll come through this with, uh, with flying colors and, so, guys, welcome back. Good to have you. Let's, um, Good to be back. Yeah. Let's go ahead Thanks, and get, uh, get some, get it started here. Mike, uh, since you were the first, guest on the podcast that's something you can tell your grandkids when uh, when this thing blows up
2: oh it'll uh, definitely be one of my stories
0: <laughs> i'm sure you have a, a lot of stories about me um i'm, I'm kind of you know i'm kind of nervous about getting you two guys together now you've got yeah, so we, we should do an episode where we roast you it's just yeah, just both both of you guys you know what <laughs> anything's possible we might do that after the new year yeah yeah you know, be uh be john waltz exposed so so Mike, I'm going to toss this question to you. And then, uh, when you get done answering here, um, you know, Scott, feel free to, to chime in or, you know, as, as Mike's going along, feel free to chime in. Um, Mike, how do you see the overall state of masculinity in the world today?
2: Man. Um, I think a lot of that depends on what part of the world. And so, yeah. um, you know, wh- wherever you are, uh, there's a lot of different, uh, expectations. There's a lot of different, uh, things that, Uh, are passed down, you know, generationally. There's things that are tossed around, you know, in society. And, um, you know, it depends really, you know, where you are. Uh, For instance, there might be even a little bit of different expectation if you're in the southeast, you know, of the U.S., as opposed to the northeast or the northwest. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, your locale, maybe your region. Uh, And so uh, the state of masculinity, I think where we are, uh, you know, it, it seems to be, um, you know, pretty strong. And, uh, but, you know, if you look on social media, then you can see that there's a lot of different uh, ideas, uh, a lot of confusion and uh, a lot of opinions on it. And so um, it it has, a I think it has a chance to not be uh, as strong. And so I think that's why podcasts like this one are really important is so that, you know, men can, you know, c- connect and talk about what is important to them as men, and uh, what drives us as men. You know what we value, uh, how we can make a difference in our world, uh, as opposed to you know just saying, hey, it's all about me. But uh, yeah, I, I think as long as we are looking outward and not just you know at ourselves for ourselves, uh, then I think masculinity has a chance to really uh, you know be a positive force. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, John, I mean, I think it's one of those things that's hard to define right now, like current state of it. Um, this is going to sound kind of pessimistic, but I don't intend it to be. Um, I'm going to try and spin it constructively, but I think it's fragile right now. Um, I, I think there's a chance it's been fragile for quite some time. Um, you know, this idea of being tough and like my grandfather, you know, World War II and, you know, my, my dad growing up under a man like that, like they're just not in touch with their feelings. They didn't talk about the war. You know, there wasn't this, there wasn't the big push like there is right now um, for overall mental health and wellness. Uh, I think we've got addictions off the charts in many ways, um, depression, anxiety, uh, pressure in the workplace to perform. And um, which adds to the normal pressure, of just being a, if you're married, I mean, a husband and a father, you know, you've got the normal added pressure from society plus trying to take care of your family, et cetera. But I would say it's fragile, but I I think generally when things are fragile, that's when they're there to be where real healing can happen. Um, you know, I, I like to, in my own lessons, like take my students into those places where they're broken and kind of help pull them out of there. Um, and oftentimes the best change happens when they kind of come to you at that point of surrender, like surrender is like the best place to be when it comes to growth. So I, I think it's fragile, but I think, um, there's some good conversation. Uh, there's addictions across the board, whether that be, uh, pornography or alcoholism or workaholism or, um, you know, people pleasing or, you know, whatever it may be, career, money, fame, et cetera. I mean, those are things that humans have already always struggled with. But um, I'll talk about my counselor back in Birmingham and his schedule. I mean, he's basically booked for 2021. He has no open slots for the entire year, which is which is good and bad. Like it shows the fragility of things. And he deals mostly with men and um, marriage issues with husbands and wives. But man, like, dude's booked for 14 months straight (laughs) like that's a big deal (laughs) yeah yeah
0: well and my last guest uh alan arnold he he talked about he when we were talking about the the last question that i ask everybody you know what kind of advice would you give someone who's in a a point of crisis, a young man who's in a point of crisis and kind of down on the world. He says, when you're at that point, you're a lot closer to the, to God and a lot closer to the answers that you you're looking for than, than you think you are. So I feel like I I agree with, I agree with what you, what you're saying there, Scott, I kind of, you know, and I, I do agree with what you're saying, Mike, also is that it's, it's at a point, it's kind of at a tipping point, I think. And that's one of the reasons that this, this podcast exists because we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, what, what does, a, what, what is, a, what is a good man? How can we contribute to, to society? How can we be, be strong, strong men and not just necessarily tough men and tough chiseled men yet. There are a lot of qualities about characters like, you know, John Wayne. And I, I talked a little bit about Sean Connery and kind of a, a mini episode and the characters that he portrayed. There's some good qualities there, but then, there's also some qualities that we need to uh, kind of dig out of men, as far as being not nece- not being controlled by your emotions, but understanding your emotions and understanding how they affect you and, and how they impact your your day to day life. So, good stuff there, guys. Um, so, anything else to to contribute on that point? Um, as before, we head into the next question, the next topic, or
2: I think it's yeah, really cool. Go, Go ahead, ahead. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I was going to agree with you, Scott. I was going to agree with you. I love the word fragility. You know, when it comes to masculinity, uh, because you're right. When when you are um, not at the top of your game, you're not taking things for granted. You know, maybe you're in kind of the valley. You start really uh, doing a lot of introspection. Um, the the uh, the thing I fear is sometimes some men may be broken. They do introspection, If they don't have an anchor. They don't have something to hold on to. That's larger yeah. than them. Like their faith, uh, then they could just you know turn and go. Well, I'm, I'm too broken, um, and so that's mm. uh, so why I think good and strong men need to step up and lead the men and help the men who are fragile, so they know that they can be mended. You know, can, can I be fixed? You know my um, you know my son played uh, baseball this fall. He moved up a level, and uh, they're playing against some bigger boys and some faster pitching than they've ever seen. And so uh, they didn't win a game. So some of those boys, uh, were they broken to the point that they um, were just down and out, say, I just can't do this anymore. I'm not a good baseball player. Or were they broken to the point where they say, hey, you know what? I want to get better. I want to practice. I want to go into lessons. And so I think there's that point of, um, you know, definitely think it's fragile for sure. Just like you're saying, Um yeah, I think it does need to be broken because you're right. That old way, that old rugged, I don't, um, you know, connect with my feelings and I won't let them show. That was wrong. Uh, I think we need to get past that, but also believe that uh, we would need to make sure that we are leading so that men who are broken, they know that they can be mended and they're not, you know, damaged goods. And so, I yeah. hope that's where we can get this.
1: Well, and John, you may uh, remember a. Uh, just happens to tie in with this I mean it wasn't on purpose but um, in my post on Instagram the other day these are thoughts I've had and they just kind of popped up I said a person's pain will either become their power or their prison Mm, Uh, and when you're isolated and alone it easily becomes your prison um, with no way out and so you need somebody to be able to unlock the door and usually you can't just pull them out usually you unlock the door you walk in there with them hang out in there for a little while see what it's like to be them and then you kind of help and encourage them to walk out and by sharing your own story i think is um the way to do it you just be learning to be vulnerable and being like hey yeah i've, I've messed up in these ways and here's where i am
0: yeah yeah, yeah. um So kind of getting, talking along those, those points here, um, what are, what are healthy ways that men can show their vulnerability, vulnerability, or maybe even, even with them, with themselves, I would say in, in my own journey, in my own life and my own recent struggles here, the, the person that I'm trying to convince not necessarily convinced that, that I have a problem, but the person that I'm trying to be most vulnerable with is myself sometimes. So maybe just we can just start there as a starting point, being vulnerable with yourself and then kind of branching out from there. What are some some healthy ways that, that men
1: can do that? You sound like you were uh, in my counseling session last week by stating that um, but uh, I'm
0: I'm I'm good but I'm not I'm you know I'm not that well connected yet um, and by the way since we're having kind of a light moment here before we get into the meat of that question um, we want to. We're recording this on um, November nineteenth, and it is International Men's Day. So, uh, happy. is it really? It is. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's a God thing right there. I mean, I I I did did my last podcast with Alan Arnold on Friday the thirteenth, and we were talking about chaos. And now you know, now here we are recording talking about men's issues on International Men's Day. So,
1: they say timing's everything.
0: I guess so.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Nicely done. Uh, but like one of the things that, um, his name is Tal Prince. He's a fantastic counselor in Birmingham. I'd say, you know, try and get in to see him, but he's booked. (laughs) Go ahead and book him for 2022. Uh, but, uh, he said, um, said one of the things that it's not just men that struggle with this, women struggle with it too, but it's like checking in with yourself multiple times a day. Like, how do I feel right now? Like literally asking that question what do I feel right now? He said, with today's modern technology, put five reminders in your phone every day or three reminders every on your phone in the morning, middle of the day, late afternoon. It just reminds you to ask yourself like, how do I feel right now? Like today was a day that was, I come out into a fairly difficult situation with a student this morning and just like, man, I feel like crap. Like I just, like, I just feel overwhelmed right now. Like, this is a problem that's fairly large and not dealing with, it wasn't the swing issue. It was dealing with like the heart and the mind issue with the player. I'm like, this is, I'm overwhelmed right now. Like, that's a real, like just learning to acknowledge the emotion and like feeling bad is not bad is not an emotion. Like you got to get into the emotion. I need to send you a feelings wheel as funny as that sounds. (laughs) that's been really helpful in our marriage. could be uh, my new
0: background. Spin, spin yeah. the feelings wheel. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Spin the feelings wheel Frrrr, again. <laughs> uh, anxiety, anxious for a thousand, you know. <laughs> yeah. right. But uh, no, that uh, learning to talk about how something makes us feel in our marriage has made us connect with each other um, because. You wound one another. I mean, it's part of being in any relationship. Like you unintentionally hurt other people because two people are broken. Like that's just the way that's gonna be. And so we always we were always talking about the issue. He's like, it's never about the issue. It's like when somebody's lashing out on the golf course, it's never about the bad shot that they hit. It's always about like what that bad shot means in relationship to something else. And so trying to get there with students is hard because they don't want to go there. They don't want to be vulnerable. I usually just, in most cases, I kind of force them to go there uh, because I don't really let the lesson go any further until they do. So it's up to them. The more vulnerable they get, the faster progress we make.
2: You know, I have to really, really agree with that because what you're talking about, you know, um, being aware of the feelings um, is similar to what chip dodd says in his book uh, the voice of the heart and it's about 20 years old now but he um, identifies eight feelings and hmm. we need to label we need to label what it is we're feeling and you were saying hey overwhelmed right now i feel overwhelmed if you label it you name it then you know what you're dealing with and so right. sometimes we just say well i'm just having a bad day you know or i just had a bad shot or i just, you know we just call it bad and that's just too generic because Um, You just say, Hey, you know what? I have a sore arm. All right. Well, what actually is hurting and where is it? And because then we can pinpoint and probably figure out if there's something we can do about it. Uh, Or sometimes it's just, it simply is, you know, uh, you know, overwhelmed or anxious, you know, or sad or, you know, but be very specific, label it. Then, you know, what you can do about it. You can, uh, you can work with it. Uh, So I think if we're able to do that, then, we're already ahead of the game because we are equipped to handle what it is that's in front
1: of us. Well, and this idea for men, like emotion is like anger or frustrate. Like that's like what we're relegated to is being angry or frustrated. Like we just skip all the other emotions and I've heard some good, not just my counselor, but we've had some people come in uh, professional psychologists and et cetera come and speak and it's this idea like anger is almost never the primary emotion it's almost a secondary emotion as a cover-up for the others
0: yeah um, I, I've, learned that, I've learned a lot about that just being around you is that the anger is anger is the result it's not the cause
1: right well and i A lot of times I like, sometimes I'll keep pushing them when they show that anger, I'll keep pushing them through that anger. Like until the uh, real emotion comes out on the other side, like usually there's some tears coming behind it somewhere like that's, and that's the more authentic emotion. Um, and it's just, um, there's, there's a a lot there. Like we just, the feelings wheel is kind of cool. Um, it's, uh, it, it's silly but like it's so helpful i was like i didn't know there were so many emotions like oh that's what that is
0: well and if you think about it our our emotions and, and uh, our, said- in our emotions and our and our our spirit uh it, it's a, it's just as complicated as the rest of our being it's just as complicated as the rest of our body it's just as complicated as as a car getting back to what you were saying earlier about the 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 sore arm example you know why is it sore how many people take their cars into the mechanic and be like well it's not running right or it's not it's not working like and they kind of press you more and and like okay well you know what's it doing? What kind of a noise is it making? That that way they can pinpoint the issue, and the same is true in our spirit, in our spiritual lives. The same is true in, in our emotions. That it's it's just it's just as complicated as, as anything else. And I feel like sometimes society, men men too, but society in general, kind of relegates our emotional state and our spiritual state down to, you know, it's it's just. They, they oversimplify it, I guess is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. So uh, Mike, you were, you were getting ready to, to jump in there before I started in. So uh, go ahead and pick up your point there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, anger uh, is vulnerability because when someone's angry, huh. then you can see what they love, what they're passionate about, right? What they care about. Yeah. So anger is vulnerability. Yeah. And so know you've heard of righteous anger and what does it's like well yeah this is showing what i care for you know i get angry when someone is you know that i care about is uh you know treated badly treated unfairly etc um rage on the other hand uh is also vulnerability it's showing everyone else your fears so anger reveals your love or your passion things you care about rage Shows your fears, and uh, it shows. Oh, that person is really afraid of that. I think we've seen that a lot in society right now. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, some people you're like, oh, they're angry, and okay, yeah. So, what's it revealing to us about them? But if they're raging. You go, okay, they're fearful. Like there's something in their life that they're that they're fearing. And uh, I thought that was pretty eye-opening. Uh, you know, he- hearing about you know the vulnerability uh, of our emotions what so we we can label the emotions and then when we look at those emotions then what does it tell us about us and i think it's Sounds very like
1: helpful that. when you can do that i think it's awesome
2: so i'm
0: um, kind of switching gears a little bit um and i mean it, it's kind of a, a little poignant to what uh, what we're talking about here but what um I kind of mentioned one of the obstacles that's kind of kind of holding men back from being their true selves and is is in the oversimplification of uh, emotions right now. But what other obstacles and barriers do you see in in Western society that might be holding men back from being their true selves?
1: Uh, Can uh, this uh, I was ready for this one. This is a this one was personal for me and I think it's for a lot of men. When you show emotion or you share emotion, other than anger, or like football throwing, throwing a remote across the room, whatever it is, just other than anger, like those are like the, that's like the only emotion that's acceptable, unless a child being born, your wife walking down the aisle, your uh, a child dying, a parent dying, like there's only like four, or five moments that men are like allowed to be anything but angry as an acceptable emotion, angry or happy. Um, and I would say it's these two things by being emotional and showing emotion other than that sadness, disappointment, embarrassment, et cetera. You're either labeled, at least when I was growing up, you're either labeled as gay or a pussy. I know it's, I don't like that term, but like that's, that's the term that was used. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, you know, stop being a girl, but usually the term was more poignant than that. Um, and like, when that continues to hit people enough times, they retreat. And the problem with anybody, when anybody retreats and goes into isolation, everything gets worse. Nothing ever gets better. So at least for me, those are the, you know, Absolutely. especially with gay pride and everything going on right now. And like that being coming a, a big thing about kind of trying to redefine masculinity, like that's, that's a misconstruction of that. Right.
2: You know, the, one of the obstacles um, or barriers that I've seen um, is a lot of men don't have self-confidence right now because there are so many different, um, different opinions on what masculinity is. Uh, there's so many different, uh, you know, uh, I guess, ideas coming at men. And so they're like, I, I don't know which mold I fit. And so I think self-confidence uh, is something that they're like, I don't know how to walk my life out as a man. Mm-hmm. And, and we see this, you know, men are dying at a, at a rate of three and a half times that of women when it comes to suicide. Yeah. And, and so they succumb to the lies, they succumb to the pressure. I say they, I mean, we as men, uh, you know, we feel like we're not living up to, whatever expectation expectation could have been set by um, you know uh, the generation before us and we're trying to live up to that one Mm -hmm. or it could be in the here and now and we're trying to live up to you know that but we don't know what that looks like Um, and I think especially for younger men you know they're trying to find their way and what does it look like and where do I fit and you know I had a friend who um, he uh, is married uh, has you know uh, four kids now And he never fit in with football players. He never fit in with the hunters. He never fit in, you know, with with these masculine groups, if you will. Um, He, uh, you know, was into music. He was in art. And so his entire life, you know, he was trying to prove that he was a man. And so um, he grew up, you know, being a designer. And he's incredible at it. He's an incredible husband. You know, he's an incredible friend. Uh, but he never felt like he, you know, connected with men and guys. He always felt he was labeled, you know, uh, kind of like you know what Scott was saying earlier. And you know, it's unfortunate. Now, thankfully, he has a strong faith, and he was able to be anchored to that, uh, and so he is more secure in who he is. Mm-hmm. I think because of his faith.
0: Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that John Eldridge talks about in in Wild at Heart and and in the Masculine Journey is that you've got to you've got to really communicate and talk with with God as far and find out find out what God thinks of you and and find out what the way God sees you in your own journey as a man rather than and you can't take that you can't take that question you can't take that to to the world and you can't take that to and we, we see men do that in in multiple different ways i mean scott probably sees it every day on the golf course you know the the quest to you know for and i've been guilty of this too the quest to break 80 you know is is one thing that that everybody uh, everybody talks about on the on the golf course and and you know i'm sure mike you've seen it manifest in other ways like it's just what we try and what we try and do as men to prove that we have what it takes and to to prove that we are that we are men rather than Following our gifting and following what God thinks of us and and following that route and and being, being more communicative about that with with God and and just looking at, looking at God as Father too. I mean, uh, there's so many strong fathers are are really the I, I believe the the key to to Western society kind of thriving again, and that's kind of what you what you a lot of the problems in Western society I feel like are because we've got father absent homes across the board in just about every demographic now. Um, and I feel like once strong fathers and strong father figures can return to the home that the, that society will be, be a lot better off. But um, what, what type of qualities um, do you guys admire in, in men that you know, and, 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 and uh, what what type of qualities would you say uh, are are ma- manifest themselves in in good men and in strong men that that you would want to be friends with and that you would want to uh, to follow?
2: You know, I uh, actually uh, lead the preteens uh, at church on Sunday mornings, so I've got this great.
0: Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds like quite the adventure.
2: I know. Right. It really is. No, we, we have this great group of kids, you know, and this, this month, honestly, we we've been talking a little bit uh, about something that uh, I equate to, to this question. Um, it's found first Peter three and uh, you know, it, it talks about being ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. And it's funny because I always just stop there anytime I read that verse. And it's like, all right, yeah, be be ready for anyone who asks, you know, to give a reason for the hope that you have. There's one last sentence that I always looked over until recently. It says, but do it gently and with respect. And Ooh. I think that's so appropriate right now. And, you know, you ask, well, what qualities do you admire, you know, in, in someone that you look up to, you know, in, uh, as a man? And I think somebody who can be resolute, you know, convicted, but also can communicate that with gentleness and respect, like dealing with people with grace while also, um, you know, holding to your values. And so I think that's so hard to do because you just want to be right, or you want to convince somebody. And yeah. you know, the Bible tells us, and hey, social you know media has
0: made that even worse in today's society. Cause it really you know, has, it really you, has. You only have 240 characters to get your point across.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, and of course, then you keep, you know, reposting, posting, posting, you know, and you get got this thread and uh, like, well, just sit down and have a conversation with somebody. Uh, it's probably going to do a whole lot more good. But uh, no, I, I think that's, um, you know, in certain times of society, you could look at certain things that are um, that that our society is bankrupt of, you know, they're, they're sitting here going, well, you know what, we used to have this or we used to value this. And now we really don't have any of it. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, that gentleness and respect when we're dealing with people, um, whether, you know, we think we're right, we know we're right, but let's be resolute and solid in our convictions, but let's be gentle and respectful. And when we're communicating that.
1: Yeah. Shoot. That's fantastic. I I actually, I always stopped at that same part in that verse. It's like, i why do we stop there? Like,
0: right? it no. loses its,
1: it actually loses its entire context and depth and impact by taking away the second half of that. Yep. Um, like there and people are people like, well, why don't you just tell them how it is? It's like, because that's, that's not how I'm going to get across to them. I mean, in my teaching day to day, like, obviously I'm talking mostly about a golf swing most of the time, but if I come in with somebody who has a very different opinion, I have to work I have to work within that difference between the two of us in order to still get an outcome that's positive for them and keeps the dynamic of the relationship positive, which isn't always easy to do. You could write a marriage
2: Uh, book on that right there.
1: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yep. You got that right. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I would say um, qualities for me, I, I think of, obviously I have some mentors that kind of run through my head, people that impacted me in a big way. I'm a feeler to the max. Um, My counselor in our marriage counseling sessions, he's been really helpful to like help us understand each other um, and learn how to communicate. Uh, But like, I'm a feeler. Like when I feel my emotions, I feel them with my entire body. Like I don't just like, Oh, I'm sad or I'm upset or I'm overwhelmed or I'm anxious. Like my whole body feels it. Um, like even as I'm talking here, I'm like curling my toes um, thinking about it. So for me is um, there was a gentleman named Fodi Francis. He was basically like the resident dad for all the athletes at uh, Ohio Wesleyan where I went to college and played golf there. And I was always afraid of him the first like two to three years because he didn't speak much uh, deeply devout Christian man uh, had f- five kids, I think five, but like he would come in and he put his arms around you. Like he just lit up when he saw you. And if you were having a rough day, like his emotion would change with you. Um, and just that ability to, to not sympathize, like sympathy to me is, uh, standing like you're down in the pit of a hole, and you can't get out and somebody's standing up top and throwing you a rope that won't really make it all the way out. And like, Hey, I'm sorry. You're down there. Here's something to help. Like, well, like, that doesn't get me anywhere. Empathy's like jumping down in the hole with you and saying, Hey, I'm going to hang out here until we can both get help to get out, you know? And he had a way of doing that. Um, that really impacted me. Um, so this, and he would put his arm around you, like, especially for men, I felt like there's a lot of lack of physical touch when we get older, uh, that's appropriate. And so then we run after physical touch that's leads to all sorts of problems, um, that's inappropriate and can pull apart, whether that be, it's not just like sexual, it could be anger and fighting. And so like, you don't have these appropriate levels of touch from male figures. And so he was a safe adult, male figure both for the men and the women um and was always open book open door you know uh, above what they call it above reproach like everything was above ground all the time um but that was just kind of who he was so that's one to me um i lost my train of thought on the other one that was (laughs) a really big trait um oh uh defender and protector Uh, i just um people need protecting and people need defending um, kind of to the things that make you, you know, righteous anger, things that make you angry. And, you know, um, actually doing a talk on, which is weird, doing a talk on confidence on Sunday evening for women. Cause I teach a ton of women um, and they need protectors and defenders. Um, regardless of whether you agree with the black lives matter movement or not, like, getting to go spend some time and do some charity work in fairfield alabama which is like the armpit of birmingham and you realize like they need a defender and a protector and somebody to to defend their cause and make their cause known and so i i like that quality um and and a defender and protector of I think it all has to line up with some great biblical morality. I mean, you can defend things that aren't worth defending, right. you know, yeah, and you can do so in a way that's inappropriate and actually tears people apart instead of builds them up. But I don't know. I, I would say a feeler that can express emotion or express empathy and gentleness with physical touch. And I would say, um, Gosh, I keep losing my train of thought. And whatever the second one was, I said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but
2: yeah, so the, the, the defender thing really is, is good. Um, you know, I, I think um, that that is very biblical. Uh, you know, the justice of God, you know, a lot of people don't always talk about that, but the justice of God is driven by the love of God. And I think the same thing is if you truly do love people, you're going to want to see, you know, proper justice applied And, uh, I think that is, is a great thing, you know, for us to admire in men who actually play that out.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I kind of want to circle back on, um, something Scott, you were talking about with your, uh, your mentor at Ohio Wesleyan, the, the whole trust issue, um, across both genders with young men and young women. I feel like that's something that's starting to be kind of lost here in in the world today. I, I try and live by the credo that someone's time is their most valuable asset and their trust is their most valuable commodity. And if you mm. violate either one, you have seriously <laughs> jeopardized that relationship that you have with that person. So I've always tried to work hard especially around younger women I I, Mike you know a little bit about this too uh my I've worked as a a pizza guy in Phoenix for about two and a half years that I was living out there uh a part-time and there was a a dining room that was um you know kind of like a dine-in part and then there was the delivery people in, in the back and everything and um in the dining room and at the bar, we had a lot of young teenage girls working, working there. And so I always made sure I always put an extra effort in like, you know, they need to feel like they're safe and that they can trust me because I know, especially in this neighborhood that we're in, that there's a lot of men around probably in their lives that they, that they can't trust. And so I feel like being someone who, who treats trust as the most precious commodity that another person has is, is something that I truly admire in, in, uh, in male figures right now. Mm. So um, that's
1: huge, John. I, I, I think that's admired by men and women. Um, I, I'm just like, as you say that, like I just keep having these things that I hear from a lot of women that work in the golf business in this, in the food and beverage side, yeah, um but yeah. often the cart girl i mean you can just go through half the golf accounts that are out there and like just the way they talk about the cart girl is just disgusting i mean one of the phrases that i that i heard that's appalling to me um from one of the girls at one of the clubs i used to work at was they would come up and be like well what i have what i want isn't on the menu you know and i'm just like it's like, it's just not a safe situation. And plus, like, it's not something they would say in the bar to her because there's other people in there, but in an isolated incident, like it just makes them feel unsafe. Um, and just, and they put up with a lot, man, shoot. It's just, it's unfortunate and it's sad. And that usually guys like that are hurting and struggling and because they haven't learned how to be in touch with their emotion, they, they express it in a way that's inappropriate. Um, and both they need a defender, but the men need good male role models to try and get to connect with them. Mm-hmm. Nora Grace isn't sleeping very well. She's yeah, screaming we, about we, her, so. Screaming about what? Her ears are bothering her. Oh, so. I'm sorry. <laughs> you say mm-hmm. hi, Grace.
0: Hi. Hi. Those are nice... It.
1: Live media. Oh, (laughs) she's, yeah, she's got your phone. Yeah. yeah. Got my phone cover. So, hey, mom. Hey, dad. Thank you. Can you lay down,
0: sweetheart? So, guys, um, next topic that I kind of want to bring into, and that this kind of brings in, um, and this was kind of where I was hoping um, Stephanie could be part of the discussion, but uh, um, what. The overall gender relations, I feel like it's kind of at a—it's not at a great point right now in human human history. I feel like I feel like society is kind of pressuring men to be be more feminine and it's pressuring women to be more masculine, and we're creating terrible versions of of both. And I what I want to to ask you guys is what can can we do specific specifically as men um, what can we do to improve the status of gender relations in in the world today and specifically in in the West and in, in North America and then conversely and the, again this is where I kind of wanted to have have Stephanie and so if you guys don't want to get on the the slippery slope of asking a woman's perspective on that we don't have to dive into that but i I do i do want to touch on this this here uh, this specific um question as far as you know we're getting back to the idea of you know we're we're kind of pushing each gender to the opposite extreme right now and so what can we what can we do to 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 combat that and to just kind of you know, improve, improve the relations between, uh, between men and women.
1: I'm not going first. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've, uh, I've led, uh, on my sales teams, two ladies in four years. So very much male dominated, uh, you know, industry and, you know, the, the, the ladies I've led, um, I immediately would feel like, you know, uh, kind of like you were talking about, Scott, like being a protector. Uh, not that I need to protect them from, you know, the guys in the office because they're all great. They're all gentlemen, um, you know, high high value, high character guys. Uh, but there is always that, you know, I want to make sure that they're honored. You know, one yeah. of the things I tell them, I tell my, my team um, about the customers, I'd, I'd say, you know, the customer isn't always right. Well, the customer is always honored, and uh, you know they, they may have the wrong you know uh, information, and we want to honor them, and we want to help them have dignity, and you know we can lead them to you know the, the truth of the matter of the situation, and always honor them, and so I feel the same way. It's um, you know I always want to honor honor them, um, and so where does that come from? And I know the Bible talks about we need to humble ourselves one to another. And, you know, it talks about, you know, in the relationship between a man and a woman, as far as, you know, in relationship, you know, a husband and a wife um, is to humble yourselves one to another. Um, I think if one tries to position themselves, you know, the man tries to prove himself. The woman tries to, you know, play the game of trying to say, well, you know, I am equal to you. Also, we're playing this game and nobody wins. Everybody's trying to one-up the other. I'm trying to prove my dominance. The other is trying to prove, you know, their equality, and nobody wins at that game. And I say if everyone honors each other and humbles themselves before each other, uh, we're going to get a whole lot further down the road uh, than this game of, you know, trying to prove.
1: Yeah, and I I think... um, uh, I think some of what happens with kind of the improving the relations, Nord Grace, no, ma'am, come back, come back in here. Um, I think one of the things that damages the relationship between the two is um, unforgiveness and revenge. Usually those kind of can go hand in hand a lot of times of like, men in my life have wronged me and I'm not going to have anything to do with them. And I'm going to be unforgiving of men. Um, or I'm going to be unforgiving of women.
0: I'm going to objectify men or objectify women. Correct. I feel Um, like in
1: this day and age, women
0: can objectify men just as easily and just as much as men have objectified women.
1: Oh yeah. It's not exclusively a male or female problem in that, that category. Um, but, um, I going to go with this Uh, trying to follow my train of thought. I don't know. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's
0: my fault. Jumping in there, trying to sound smart and
1: you're good. You're good. Um, But in in order to improve these relationships, I think it's a matter of recognizing the pain that's been caused to you and learning how to medicate correctly um, if that makes sense, cause we're wounded and we medicate. That's what we do. Um, and Oh, what I was going to share was there's a book called, um, burn your goals, uh, written by two Christian men. Um, they do a lot of speaking and team training and whether that be for business professionals or sports teams, whatever. And, um, one of the things they did in there as I was going through the book, they had this little exercise to do It's like fill in the blank, you know, uh, men are blank, women are blank, work is blank. Like the first word or short phrase that comes to mind, write it out. And I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to where he was going with it. And coming off after the fact, you're like, oh man, this is terrible. Gracie, can you push that button? <laughs> Sorry. She's got the light. But when I go back and John, if you have read my book all the way through in the last section I talk about, I share that little blip and I was embarrassed by what I had said and filled in those blanks. Like I was in a rough time in my life and like one of the lines in there was women are uh, ungrateful. And it was like, that's how I'm going to treat them. If I view them like that, that's how I'm going to treat them. Yeah. Um, one of them was, I am fill in the blank. And if you feel like it's, you can do it about yourself, you can do about anything. Politics are, politicians are blank. And so, like all of the things I put in there were not positive and they were not encouraging, which was so eye opening to where my A state of my heart and B, what my beliefs were about certain things and certain people. And then it, it kind of helped me tap into like, what am I feeling right now? Like I've clearly been wounded by some women somewhere along the way. And I haven't dealt with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like,
0: And you see that a lot in the, uh, I call it the, I've I talked to you guys about this, the, the online men's movement and the, the, the quote unquote red pill movement online that, the, I feel like that comes from a lot of wounding um, from from women and from the world, and you, you know we we've just got to face it. Men and women are different, and we're all like you said we we've all taken a wound at some point in our life, and it's uniquely tailored to us, and that is a filter by how we view the world. And if we're not aware of that, then that's going to that's going to lead to treating women like their ungrateful hypergamous sponges, you know, to, to use some, some words from, from the men's movement that I've, that I've heard that's going to lead women to treat men like they're nothing but a resource or they're nothing but pigs or the, the the meme that's out there is like men only want one thing and it's disgusting, you know? So we've, we've got to face the fact that we we live in a fallen world and the wounding that we take throughout the course of our lives is is tailor-made to us. And that comes from it, it can come from one of three places. And this is another thing that I that I borrow from John Eldridge that uh, I the way I try and view view things is that there, just as there is a, a holy trinity, there is an unholy trinity, and that is the, the devil, the flesh, and the world. And usually, two of those things are working in concert against our spirit, and it's working, and that's where our woundedness can come from. It's, um, it's something that's come from the world, and then it's kind of egged on by our flesh, or it's something that's, that's come against us, and then it's egged on by, uh, by the devil. So, um, that's so the way I think the way that. It, that I would verbalize about how we can improve gender relations is just know that everyone, like you said, Scott, everyone is wounded. Everyone medicates. We've just got to understand that about each other and and show a little more empathy and sympathy and know that like, okay, this person isn't this way because they are a man or a woman. They they're this way because they have had, they, they, ha- they carry a wound that they haven't, been able to to deal with or, or sort through properly yet and um if the situation arises how can we help them through that
1: i was i always found um and i felt like this was unique to me when i was growing up in norgrace no man staying here um i grew up methodist and i don't think this is necessarily anything that's like methodist related but whenever we talked through the gospels, it was always like what Jesus did. And I always felt like something was always getting missed. And then I went to some better churches in college um, and post-college in a married life was like, there's a lot of like how Jesus treated people Mm -hmm. and how he communicated things. And like, I I think about this, um, the woman that's caught in her sin and her Adultery and prostitution, and they drag her out by her hair and they're about to stone her to death. And Jesus is like the way it was portrayed to me by one of my pastors in Birmingham is like it's almost like Jesus is just like sitting there piddling in the dirt and it's like sitting right next to her in her complete nakedness and like not only vulnerability in terms of her physical side, but like emotionally and spiritually, she's just completely vulnerable forced vulnerability in front of who knows how many people and like he who is without sin cast the first stone like obviously he didn't agree with her sin but it was just this like that to me was absolutely amazing in in how he he treated those who who we wouldn't normally treat that way like our sinful nature would be like they deserve you know be locked up or put in a home, or it's not that you people don't need it's not that we don't need justice and people don't need to be locked up, but like that's why prison ministry exists, you know hey, like, yeah. they need to do but I, I just I always found that fascinating, and then it finally came to light by going to some other churches, late in college and post college. I was like, oh. Okay, so what I've always felt was there. I just had, didn't have any guidance or teaching through it. And I always wanted to be treated like that.
0: Well, and kind of going back to what we were talking about a little bit about the need to always be right. Another aspect of that story that, that's kind of glossed over is that the crowd says, we caught her in the act of adultery. Like, okay, so you were spying on her? you were waiting for her to trip <laughs> yeah. up like you had someone you had some kind of creeper outside her window waiting for for her next gentleman caller like that was i and that was another aspect of the story where jesus was like yeah you know i you, you're you're wanting to prove you're you're wanting to prove that you're right and you're going to you're willing to go to such lengths to it that you're not seeing how it's affecting you and it's not you're not seeing how it's how it's adversely affecting, you know, how it's adversely affecting your own, your own spirits. So, um, Mike, go ahead and and jump in on that if you, if you want to, or if you had anything to add on to that.
2: Um, yeah, I think, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great picture of, you know, being, um, being angry about the right thing you know i think that's what you know jesus was showing us and and scott you're talking about the way you know there's the deeds of jesus there's the way uh, excuse me the words of jesus there's the way and it is it's so important the way that he dealt with with people and the way he deals with us um is so important you know and here you had you know you had the sin of her but then he was calling out the sin of hypocrisy and self-righteousness and you know, this herd mentality or gang mentality, um, you know, and so I think that uh, it is something that we can easily just pardon ourselves of because somebody else is doing something that in our eyes or maybe uh, it just seems more egregious. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, you know, Jesus left, he talked about the shepherd who leaves the 99 goes after the one. And so I think he is protecting the one there. Um, you know, it seems as though she could be rehabilitated most likely. And the other ones weren't, uh, in a place to do that. Their hearts weren't, you know, soft and ready to be molded. And it sounds like hers was. And so I think, you know, if we can find ourselves as men, uh, to, you know, uh, make sure that, you know, we don't have that sort of self-righteousness, uh, instead we give people grace, um, you know, we have humility I think that's going to take us a long way, because what we're looking for is the long term wins, you know, the long term goal. Uh Uh, It's not the short wins. You know, I want to I want to win the entire war, not just little battles here and there. And so I think, um, you know, when you deal with people with grace, it might be the long road, but eventually you get there.
1: Well, and that's something I've always tried to do in my teaching. The the last principle of my teaching is John's already heard multiple times. It's like improve the whole person to maximize performance. Um, and there's so much like, I think the sports psychology world is a crock of, you know, baloney in the sense of like, all we're dealing with is like, here are these tools and tips and tricks to cover up your real problem. Here's another pill, you know? And i the best compliment I ever had. And, is um from one of the students I've had for the longest. It's like, Scott, you're willing to go to those dark places with your students and and walk them out. And I was like, well, I'd never been told that before. But like I've had some great mentors in my life model that for me in my own struggles. Um, you know, our we were struggling in our marriage mostly because I was struggling with depression. And our church had a care team that they put together for us and for me and for Rebecca, like, like uh, they modeled that, like they ran towards us in our struggle and our pain instead of Mm -hmm. running from us of like, Hey, you just need more Jesus and you just need to read your Bibles more and you just need to be nicer to each other. Like, I feel like most of the tips and tricks and all the things are out there. 10 steps to be a better husband. It's like, no, like it's, it's not all that surface level stuff. And It's short-term cover-ups, but it never deals with the heart issue. And if you don't deal with the heart issue, you're just you got a massive ulcer, you got internal bleeding, and we're just keep feeding you painkillers, which only makes it worse. Mm -hmm. Amen,
0: amen. Well, guys, uh, last question, then we'll wrap it up here. Um, Just short, sweet, to the point. What do you define how do you define um someone as a good man? What what is your definition of a, a good man?
1: Are you trying to say I talk too much, John?
0: No, no, I'm just saying that we're right at about an hour, or so you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm a rambler on my podcast too. It's yeah.
0: Great. Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. Jack does a good go- good job of reeling you in though, so
1: Yeah, he does. He he summarizes all my my points. So yeah. it's great.
0: Yep. Scott's co-host, Jack Beard, episode 13. If you haven't checked that out, go ahead and check that out. He's uh, He's got some good opinions and insights mm-hmm. on the masculine journey. So with that, um, we'll go man. ahead and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, let's go ahead and, uh, um, Mike, I'll toss this one over to you first. Okay. Um, what is your definition of a good man?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, we just was talking about the long game, you know, the long term. Um, and really... I think a good man uh, thinks past himself, thinks past his circumstances, uh, you know, past, you know, that moment in time. You know, Dave Ramsey says, and I don't know if he got this from someone else or this is his original quote, but children do what feels good. Adults, they devise a plan and stick to it. And, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children. And as children's children, that's thinking long-term, you know, that's yeah. delaying pleasure. That's delaying what I want. And so I think a good man's going to say, you know what, uh, I'm going to delay what I want. I'm going to put aside what I want. Uh, for the good of, you know, not just, you know, my family here and now, but for my family's future. And I think there's, you know, just, I mean, so much of what uh, is around us, in, um, you know, advertisements and whatnot. It's like, hey, you got to get the bigger batter truck. You know, you, you've got to get the toys, the Sea-Doo, the boat, the camper and all this stuff. And everything's about live life right now. And uh, I think it's great if you can afford all those things and you've already, you know, have done the things long-term. You know, invest in your family, invest in, you know, your, your retirement, invest in other people in your community mm-hmm. around you. I think if you've done those things and you still have, you know, um, resources, great. Then go, go get those toys. But I think too many times men are just like, you know what? Uh, it, it, Scott, you talked about medicating. I think that's what we, a lot of times we do as men, we medicate. Uh, and so too many times we don't have that long-term vision. And I think a good man has that long-term vision. And he's like, you know what? I'm resolute and I'm going to stick to that long-term vision. I'm going to see it through.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, gosh, John, why do you ask hard questions? Because um, I'm trying to put out a good podcast. Yeah. I know, you are. You're doing great. Um, this is this is my delight. Where's Jack when I need him? Yeah, uh, really. Yeah, yeah, he does all my filler for that,
0: me. You know, one thing that I am kind of jealous about Jack is that he's got a much better podcast and radio voice than I do at the moment. So, oh my god, that's something that I need to to train and work on. He needs to
1: ensure his voice. I know we joke about that all the time, but he's got like that voice. You're going. If I could, if I could have the voice of a man i would have jack's voice right like yeah it's yeah he's just like can i just have your voice for a week
0: yeah you know yeah.
1: just a day i could conquer know? the world yeah if yeah. i had um i i would say um i'm going to try and go with uh, some more emotional traits i would go with uh, empathy i think is a is a really big one that men tend to not be great at but i think they can be um and should be uh this uh, ability to be empathetic um and uh, gosh um I, the, i'm trying to find another term than strong but because i think it you can go a bunch of different ways with that
0: yeah yeah I um,
1: agree. yeah but resolute term- steadfast Yeah, I think Resolute, as Mike was alluding to earlier, I think is a really big one. Um, But empathy is at the top of my list just because I think it's important to have it. Um, And then I would say, I mean, I almost have to agree with Mike just in this idea of like, others focused but not to the point where you neglect taking care of your own right personal yeah. health yeah uh, like you can't help other people if you aren't if you aren't being poured into you right. know it's yes yeah. jesus kept the disciples close to him and then he sent them out and then they came back and then he sent them out like it's just there's a little bit of this like you need to be filled in order to give um, i was one who perpetually gave to everyone and and everything and never took care of myself um and therefore didn't take care of my family and therefore didn't take care of my you know just everything fell apart from there um i i, I would say a man that part of what makes a, a man a good man is his willingness to ask for help
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah um whether that be in his marriage whether it be in business whether it be just general relationships whether that be just doesn't know how to put something together. It's like, you're a man, you don't know how to put this together. It's like, no, I, I genuinely don't like yeah, no yeah. Uh, you know, it's maybe you could use an overarching term as humility. Um, this is what I can do. I can be resolute in the things that I'm passionate about and things that I can do and stand up for those things, but there are things I don't know. Um, you know, and Um, I've just had good mentors model that for me. So, you know, I I go and read books about why women aren't confident. Like I deal with it every day and they ask questions about it. Like I need to have an answer. I'm not a female. So like I teach a lot of females and I'm married to a female and I have a daughter who's two and, but to, to learn from other people. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I, I was asking actually today I had a, college coach come by um he used to work for me back in Birmingham and he's much younger than me but he's an assistant coach on a women's golf team and I was asking about how to handle certain situations with a couple of women and like what would you do if they're acting like this you know whether I'm dealing with frustration or anger or disappointment like how do how do the women coaches deal with it that you're around all the time like what like i'm stuck i need help yeah Uh, Yeah. and i don't i don't do it all the time like i have to catch myself like it's it's so easy to want to think you know everything (laughs) and you just don't so humility and empathy
0: okay okay
1: yeah what about you john
0: well yeah i was gonna wrap it up here with um with my thoughts, uh, on what a good man is, I think strong and resolute someone who has vision, like you were saying, Mike, someone who sees beyond their short-term pleasures, but sees, sees the long game and wants to leave a legacy for their own, their own future. Someone who is in touch with their emotions, but not driven by their emotions. And I think of, when, when i think of a a good man actually the the fictional character that popped into my head and i, I know you guys probably won't know this character but um maybe some more of my audience will um is uh, ben cisco from star trek deep space nine uh played by avery brooks
1: no clue yeah sorry john
0: um well Scott he was in that that clip that I sent to you via text that's oh, the, oh, that's oh, the, the character okay. and the and the actor and so Got- his character undergoes a tremendous arc during the uh, during the series um, he starts off he he loses his wife um, in a in a in, in a tragic way and has to raise his son all alone by as a single dad and He's always focused on his son. He's always focused on his crew and on the mission and on what he has to achieve. He gets stationed in this remote outpost that no one really wants to, to be at. And then all of a sudden it becomes the center of the Star Trek universe. And so, and then he's engaged in uh, some more military conflict throughout the, the, the show, but throughout, throughout that whole time, he's he's resolute he's steadfast he is in touch with his emotions uh and and he raises his son the best that he can but he's he's always someone who who's giving to his crew and giving to his son and giving to the the mission but at the same time he's able to keep himself on a a pretty a pretty pretty stable ground he's got people that can at, at the other end that can can pour into his life too so um, it, it, it's really, uh, an interesting arc that his character, um, undergoes throughout the course of the series. So I think he's to, to use a fictional fictional example, that's my definition of, of a good man. Um, my own father, I view as a, as a good man. He's, um, he'd been through a lot even before I came along and, and, uh, he's, but, but he's a giver and he's, he's someone who's. Who's steadfast and resolute, and I feel like those are those are some qualities that that exemplify a good man. So, with that, guys, uh, can, I we'll, in,
1: can I throw in two? Um, since you brought up TV, yeah, um, yeah, let's do that. that. Yeah,
0: yeah, a couple, a couple of fictional characters that uh, that you guys think of as uh, as good men.
1: Um, one isn't. Fictionally means a real man. Uh, Mr. Rogers, I don't know if you've watched a documentary on him, but man, what a gentle, humble man and how he handled hard things and dealt with kids and difficult times from divorce to violence to war to like, it's just awesome how he dealt with that. Um, But uh, the show that came to mind since Mike, you brought up, Mike and John brought up the term Resolute. Gosh, that's such a great term. Like it encompasses strength and so many other things. Like I love that term, but that reminded me of a show that my uncle loved and my dad still likes. Um, and my uncle has all of the episodes on DVD, is The Rifleman, like going way back.
0: Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know that show. Yeah.
1: Like he was he was resolute, like he was gentle with people that need to be gentle with. Um, and he was a apparently he's a big, tall dude, like Fantastic athlete. The actor was a fantastic athlete too. He's a huge man. Mm -hmm. But like he used the gun when he needed to, but it was never his first route. Like he tried to be diplomatic about things, but also gentle. So like I kind of want to go back and watch that. We're watching some Mr. Rogers stuff with the kids, even though some of it's in black and white. Right. Uh, Yeah. So Mr. Rogers and the rifleman.
0: Okay.
2: Mike? Uh, apparently, I didn't watch too much TV. That was—that's um, not necessarily a bad redeeming, thing.
0: Redeeming,
2: I guess. <laughs> redeem, so yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, Homer Simpson doesn't apply here. No, uh, no <laughs>
0: not necessarily. No. You,
1: can learn, you can learn what to do by learning what not to do. That's uh, that, that's a very good point. That's a fair point. I, yeah, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I appreciate I appreciate that.
2: Uh, so, uh, yeah, as far as fictional characters, I mean, yeah, there, there, there's not really. Um, too many, you know. It's, it's funny though how. Well,
0: you're a you're a baseball guy, so I mean, any you know um, baseball players over the course of your life kind of come to mind. Is as...
2: you know my favorite baseball player growing up was uh, a catcher for the Tigers, Lance Parrish. Oh yeah, and uh, so you know, and then I was probably about I don't know ten years old or so when he left the Tigers, and he went on to play for about four or five more teams. You know, his career you know wasn't like it was with the Tigers. Um, and so I was a kid, you know, I had his poster in my room and all that. Um, when I became an adult, uh, I drove up to uh, Detroit, Michigan, uh, we were there for a wedding and while we were there, I thought, you know what, let's go and check out the Tigers, uh, stadium, you know, uh, old Tiger stadium was no longer used. And so they're playing in Comerica park and I go into the store, like, Hey, I'm just going to check out the store stadiums, not open, but their store is. So we're in there, we're, you know, talking with the people working there. And this guy was older fellow was in there. And he said, so Tigers fan said, yes, sir. He said, good deal. Good deal. Who was your favorite growing up? I said, Lance Parrish. He said, that there is a good man. I said, really? I said, I always knew him as a baseball player, but really didn't know anything about him as a man. Because, you know, prior to social media, it was newspaper clippings. You know, it was highlights. It was Sports Illustrated. And so I knew about the baseball player, but I didn't really know about the man. And he said, oh, good Christian man. He goes, wonderful wife, good family, good family man. It was just really cool to know that the guy that I idolized as a baseball player was up to the task equally as a man. And so, you know, it's just neat when your hero actually is – who you want them to be. Uh, and I never, you know, met him face to face, but after that I've ran into people who have known him and everyone has the same thing to say about Lance Parrish. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Consistent. Awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah well, that kind of makes me feel a little, uh, silly. Well, my favorite baseball player growing up was Mark Grace and I never realized the, uh, the, I don't know, less than stellar uh off the field stuff that he he had going on until i became a little older and he had uh, he had left the cubs and was playing for the diamondbacks at the time but uh but yeah he was he was my favorite player growing up but anyway that's uh i'm kind of the opposite end, end of that not that he was not that he was like a terrible person but he was just more he wasn't he he didn't quite have the same character qualities as as lance did so.
2: And let me say i don't think that we need to have our sports figures or a president or anybody like that being our role models i think right. role models models yeah. would be a whole lot closer uh to to the kids uh for sure and yeah. so you know like you were saying john it's so important that fathers be involved and be around and uh if there are no fathers the mentors uh here in mm-hmm. nashville there's a great um organization called the family uh foundation fund and you know they have men who become surrogate fathers for boys who don't have fathers. So, yeah, awesome. I, I just think it's a really important thing for for men to step up for the kids that are either in their family or in their community.
1: Well, I'll I'll add to that at the very end here. Like, I kind of want to shout out to my wife Rebecca for kind of putting up with a lot of crap from me for a lot of years. Like, I we need some really good women who are willing to pray for their husbands and she it's not that she tried to change me she realized a lot of things were wrong and like i needed help and i got it which was great but it's just like it took a lot of years it, but good men need really good women for those that are married at least and and even if you're not married like just whether it be having some good women in the office like that they're also resolute in what's okay and acceptable and not and mm-hmm. um yeah So, uh, you know, that's a shout out of thanks to my wife and some of the women at our church who were willing to jump in and help. And um, yeah, so that's that's more a thank you to Rebecca than than anything. We do need them. Yeah, Amen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we do. We do. All right. Well, he is Scott Hassey. Director of Player Development at Franklin Bridge Golf Club, host of the Champions Playbook podcast, and author of the Champions Playbook. You can find his book on Amazon.com. Find his podcast on Apple Podcasts. My other guest, uh, guest, first guest on the M60 podcast, Mr. Oh. Mike McDowell. He is a sales leader here in the Nashville area. And you can find him on episode one and also on episode five of this podcast. I am your host, John Waltz. This is the M60 podcast. Thanks so much guys for for doing this and for uh, partaking in the discussion. We had, uh, we talked about a lot of different things and, and uh, I think we covered a lot of great points. So uh, hopefully this will have some impact here co- going forward. Happy international men's day. Whatever, however many hours there are left of it. Uh, You guys take care. I'm John Waltz. This is the M60 Podcast, and I will talk to you next time. Once again, a huge shout-out and thank you to Mike McDowell and Scott Hassey for... Participating in this first panel discussion here on the M60 podcast. You can check out their regular episodes, episodes one and five for Mike McDowell, episode number nine for Scott Hasse. You can also check out Scott's podcast, the Champions Playbook podcast on Apple Podcasts. I'll have a link for that in the show notes. Also, you can find my Patreon site and my social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Parler, all in my link tree in the show notes below. Thanks for listening. This is the M60 Podcast, and I will talk to you next time.